The following is an original audio series from Sierra International Machinery, Pile of Scrap, with your host, John Sacco. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Pile of Scrap. And today, I have the language guru with me, <laughs> Mr. Michael Mislansky. Michael, welcome. It is great to be here, John. I'm super excited about this. Well, fantastic. You know, Michael, we, we first met with your work with ISRI, the Institute of Scrap Recycling Industries, um, about the language that our industry uses. Let's first talk about your role in your business. You are a language guru. What is that? Tell the people who listen to this, what is a language guru? What are you specifically mm -hmm. focusing on for your clients? So our business is built around this idea that it's not what you say that matters, it's what your audience hears. And if you think about the way that organizations communicate, very often they build a message based on what they think sounds good. But they have a whole different set of beliefs, experiences, attitudes than their audiences have, whether it's their customers, regulators, other stakeholders. And what often happens is you go out and communicate and people don't like your message or they don't understand your message or they don't believe your message because they don't know you the way that you know you. Our job is to understand where that gap is and then find the right language so that we can close it. Okay, besides, well, we're going to get into the recycled materials industry, but tell me about an industry that has come to you that they had needed your help and how did you help shift from what to what and tell us a little bit of a success story because i think people need to understand what it is you do besides just for the recycled materials industry but let's talk about work you've done outside so people can start thinking in the way okay i get it sure well so words matter right the language that we use to describe things makes a big difference in how it's perceived the way that we talk shapes the way that people think so i'll give you a couple of examples in the in the energy industry, we've been working with the electric companies across the country for a long time. And uh, when we started with them, they were perceived as kind of utilities, as big monopolies, uh, uh, expensive, not terribly innovative, not necessarily focused on clean. The work that we've done with them over time really built around this one idea of getting as clean as we can as fast as we can without compromising on reliability or affordability, kind of focusing in on this one idea and hitting it over and over again in all of these different uh, communication uh, uh, tactics that they use, all of a sudden you start to see reputation shift. They start to be associated with, uh, with being really committed to clean, with investing in clean, with making changes to support uh, a cleaner, uh, cleaner energy future. Well, I've noticed for, I'm out in California, PG&E for example, mm -hmm. I've noticed a real shift in their, their branding about how they're there to help us keep the energy flowing to mm -hmm. our houses in a clean energy format. And, and so I, I would imagine, you, I don't want you to disclose who your clients are, but that's obviously, obviously a shift in, in the branding using different words for their audience. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, I mean, one thing that has been true in the energy industry and in many industries is that successful industries get closer to their customers. They use language that their customers understand. They use language that their customers respond to. They don't speak the insular language of the industry. They don't use the jargon of the industry. They make it about the customer. And when you do that, you tend to be more successful. Well, that segues into this. You've come to do work for ISRI. And you know, we as an industry uh, have hidden from the public and we have stuck to the, our words. And your research 
really showed how bad the words we were using and we were focused completely on the wrong stuff, the inputs. But you've done a lot of research on our industry and you've helped our industry. Tell us what was the first thing when you took this project, what was the first thing you went, whoa, they need it. What mm. was your first like, oh shit moment with our industry? Yeah, I mean, so you know, every time you ask people what they think of when they think about recycling, they say the same thing. They say the blue bin. If the blue bin isn't doing the job that you want it to do, which it wasn't, then you gotta change it. And the, the challenge that we heard, so you say recycling, people focus on the blue bin. When they focus on the blue bin, they focus on the stuff that isn't getting into the blue bin or the stuff that once it gets into the blue bin, they don't think is actually getting recycled. They think ends up in the, in the waste stream going okay. into garbage, right? So it is focused on all the stuff that doesn't actually get recycled. It is not focused on the stuff that does, and so, we had to change that. So, so that becomes problematic because policymakers and regulators are the same people who think when you say the word recycling, it's all about the blue, mm -hmm. blue bin instead of the industrial nature of what we're doing. So continue with, with, okay, you started that. Now how you're building what's changing the way we're going to talk. Mm -hmm. what, what did you yeah, uh, so, find? So if that was the view from the customer and from uh, legislators and regulators, the view internally was let's look at the scrapyards. Let's look at the stuff that we're getting either from the blue bin or, or from industrial customers and all the cool stuff that we do with it. Right. Now, if you look across at almost every other industry, they don't talk about the stuff that they do to the raw materials. They talk about the stuff that comes out. Okay. Right? Right. If you're a home builder, you don't talk about putting up the walls. You talk about the house. Okay. If yeah. you're Apple, you don't talk about the wires and the chips. You talk about the iPhone and the iPad, right? Okay. And so one of the big things and one of the big shifts that we recommended was instead of focusing or starting with the inputs, start with the thing that people care about. Start with the outcomes, start with the outputs. Okay. And so that was really the biggest shift that we found is that the more that you started where customers were, where regulators were, where legislators were, the more that they could see this contributes to stuff that I care about. Now let me learn about the industry instead of the other way around. So the word scrap is a bad word. We know that in California, okay? Um, I don't use the word scrap anymore. It's, to me, it's recycled mm -hmm. iron, recycled aluminum, or the recycled materials industry. A lot of pushback with that word. People want to, they want to hang on to it. Mm -hmm. What's your message to those who want to hang on to these words that are really detrimental to our industry? Why do they need to understand the change? So, look, I think this happens a lot, right? Change is hard. Changing language is hard, particularly when it's your industry and you're emotional about it. The question that, that we ask is, what are you trying to achieve with your communication? Are you trying to satisfy yourself or are you trying to achieve another objective? If your objective is to educate, to engage, to persuade outside audiences, then why are you using language that they don't like? Because every time that we test it with those audiences, it leads to negative associations. So you may like it, that's fine. Talk about it at home. <laughs> when you're trying to do something with your communication, use the language of the people that you're trying to communicate with. So you, you, you my biggest takeaway, and it was, the timing was incredible, when you, you said, let's focus on the output. Because when, when I started hearing what you were saying about the output, we started creating 
the docuseries repurposed. And when you start with the metal recycling yards that are the raw material suppliers for electric art furnaces and their output is new steel and that new steel is going to bridges and to highways, you know, things that people can connect with with stadiums. When you started looking at this mm -hmm. and you started seeing the output from our industry, what was, what, what, what were, where did you, where would light bulbs go off with you or what did you say, wow, I, I really didn't realize all the output that this industry is responsible. What is yeah. the recycled materials, in your opinion, when you saw it, what was the surprise on the outputs? I, I mean, you know, I was a consumer. So when I thought about recycling, I thought about plastic and paper also. You know, when, you, when somebody pointed out that there was metal that was recycled, I got it. But I didn't know that, you know, the aluminum that is in existence today has probably been around for 100 years. I didn't know that all the steel or 70% of the steel that is uh, produced today is recycled steel. Like these things are, this is, it's huge numbers. It's a huge component of so many of the things that we kind of take for granted or don't think about. And when you start to look around, as you point out in, in Repurpose, when you start to look around and say, go live a day without recycled materials, that's a, it's a powerful idea uh, to think about. Well, yeah, that, that, and it really is. And so I, I, because of the work that I was, because I was part of the committee that worked with you, Michael, on this, it really, for me, was an aha moment about we're going we're gonna to stick to the outputs. So... To people who will see this who aren't in our industry, mm -hmm. what, what do they really need to know about our industry? What would you say to those who are going to watch this on Amazon Prime or who watch my podcast but who watch Repurpose? When they see it, what do they need to know? What would you say to them about us? Yeah, so I, I think if we think about some of the topics that are so important to us today, infrastructure, supply chain, the environment. If you think about infrastructure... So much of the infrastructure that we need to build today needs to be built out of recycled materials. Because if it's not built out of recycled materials, it's going to be mined. It's going to, it's going to have to come from virgin places, forests, you know, uh, uh, mining otherwise. So it's bad for the environment. So the fact that we get to use recycled materials means that not only can we build the infrastructure, but we can do it in a way that is more sustainable and, and it's, it's a renewable resource. And then when we think about supply chain and we think about the, the costs and the challenges of either getting raw materials from overseas, from places that we may not have the best relationships with, or that cost a lot to get, to get the materials from, or that uh, are bad for the environment when we got to ship them overseas. Right. Now all of a sudden we've got sources that are renewable sources that are sustainable and they're secure because a lot of them are coming from here to be recycled and then to put in materials here. A fantastic point. So recycled iron saves over 60% of CO2 emissions versus virgin material. Recycled iron saves over 60% of energy consumption. And if we're going to be sustainable, isn't that an important message to get out? Absolutely. I mean, we are a renewable source of the raw materials that we need to build the everyday items and essential infrastructure that makes our economy go. I have a saying that CO2 emissions don't have a border. So in America, we, you know, there's activists who don't particularly care for the steel mm -hmm. industry or the foundries for aluminum and copper or paper mills. They would like to see this go someplace else. But CO2 emissions don't have a border. So 
What's their short-sighted? What do they need to know? Why we can't just put everything overseas because those CO2 emissions come out, but what else are they missing in this? It depends where they're coming from in terms of their opposition. If it's a not in my backyard kind of opposition, it's the kind of opposition that every industry faces whenever they want to put any, any infrastructure, any investment that is not a uh, you know, big, beautiful park or skyscraper in, in a neighborhood. Uh, and the point is, is like it, it brings all of these benefits here. It is better for the environment to have it here than to have to ship it from overseas. It is more secure to have our supply chain here. It is uh, it's good for the economy as a result of having the industry here. And so those are the messages that, to the extent they're going to break through with these audiences, are the ones that break through. And what's really important, I think, is that the more that people are focused on the, the yard, okay. which, which doesn't look good to an outside person, right? right. Like you We're can't a little appreciate. gritty. We're a little... Right. You know, like, it just doesn't any okay. more than a quarry does or a mine does, Right. So the more that you focus on those things, the tougher uh, job you have to do. Right. The more that you focus on the benefits, on the outcomes, uh, the better off you are. Because then people see that like they want this here. I think that's incredibly important. Great comment. When people really understand that we are the raw material supplier for so much of our daylight. You know, we're, we're here in Washington, D.C., and we're looking out over uh, Reagan Airport. You can't build that airport. Those runways need rebar. That rebar comes from 100, almost 100% recycled iron. All the aluminum in the aircraft and the copper wiring and the jetways and, and the, inf the building of the steel. 70, you could just say when you look at it, you know 72% of all the steel in that airport is from recycled mm -hmm. iron. People need to understand this message. This to me is an opportunity. It's a huge opportunity. And, and I'll say one other thing is that the... The, a lot of the criticisms that uh, I think are still out there, they were certainly out there when we started this process, is about the stuff that doesn't get recycled. And again, the more that you focus on the process, you're focusing on how well the process works and what it misses. When you start saying that 70% of the rebar that goes into those 90%, 90% over 95%, but it's the steel, the, the, the terminals. But basically, when you say you can't build those things without recycled materials, you're focused on how much is being recycled. And so it flips the whole mindset from the deficit, like what's missing, right, to the positive, the asset side of the equation. So in, in season one of Repurpose, uh, we did episode one, we talked about food. The machines that harvest the food, you know, the grains, the, the crops out in the fields, that's made from steel. And there's aluminum in it. And that's coming, you know, John Deere has foundries mm -hmm. that they're using recycled iron to make the tractors. Mm -hmm. And then that, when they harvest, it goes to steel, I mean, it goes to food processing plants that have steel in it and aluminum in it. And you know, it has to have electrical, and there's so much recycled content in it. Mm -hmm. We don't eat without this industry. Uh, yeah. You know, we all like eating, right? We've got to eat to survive. Health. Can't build a hospital without What, what would a hospital look like, mm -hmm. if you think about it? If you don't have rebar for the foundation, well, you, you can't build the structure, right? If you don't have the, uh, the recycled aluminum and the recycled copper and steel for bed frames and the electronic equipment, the stainless steel operating rooms, we're, we're going to look like a Civil War mm -hmm. hospital. See, that's the opportunity right, right. of the messaging. Absolutely. And all of it, and when you tell these stories, 
you're starting from the end and you're working backwards. Instead of starting from the stuff that you're collecting, processing, and then ultimately turning into something that you weren't even in many cases. A lot of the storytelling in the past hasn't even gotten to what it goes into. It said it was essential, but most of the focus was on how it was created, not what you did with it. So Michael, our members at Esri, some of them just don't seem to understand this lexicon. You have a chance, because the people in our industry are listening. They, they listen to Pile of Scrap. Please, in your best, encourage, how would you encourage them to understand why this lexicon and this language that we're wanting to use is so vitally important for the future as our industry comes out from behind these fences that we hid from, because we've hid for a lot of decades, and that's why our image sucks. Mm -hmm. So explain to the people. Yeah, I mean, look, I, you know, I think, I think every industry, to some extent, has the same refrain. We don't get credit for all the good stuff we do. They don't understand us. They don't appreciate how important we are. And the answer to that is often, well, let's just educate. But people don't want to be educated. They're too busy. They've got too much going on. What they want is a shortcut, a mental shortcut to better understand and better appreciate what it is that an industry does. The simplest way to do that, the highest return on investment way to do that is to find the words that emotionally, instantly, credibly, and effectively resonate with the audiences that you're trying to reach and use those words. And, and, and what you, and with knowing our industry now, mm -hmm. you've been working it, what, what are some of those things that, that resonate with people? Yeah, I mean, the simplest thing, the simplest thing is call it the recycled materials industry because you're starting from the end and working backwards, right? Because as soon as you call it the recycled materials industry, you start talking about it from the stuff that you create perspective. You can go backwards. You can still talk about your team and your technology and your innovation and all the stuff that you do, but you're starting in the right place. Okay. Talk about the, uh, the fact that you are a, a raw material, right? When you say scrap, first of all, people um, don't have positive associations with it. Second of all, they don't understand where it fits within a supply chain. They don't understand what you do with it, right? Even if you say you recycle the scrap, into what? If you say that you create, uh, you have a renewable source of raw materials for infrastructure, everyday items, healthcare, whatever it is, now you're explaining to them where you fit within the supply chain, why you are valuable. Scrap is not valuable. Raw materials, they're I valuable. I, see, that to me, that's just fantastic. And I'm glad we're being able to help people understand it because I've had a lot of people talk to me about it. But I think in the end, y you articulate so well because you've done the research and we're, 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 you know, you can't see the forest because of the trees. Well, we're seeing the trees. We're not seeing the forest. Mm -hmm. You see the forest and you know these words and you, you see. So what is the, give us an opportunity now. Our industry for decades has been stuck in one place and we're mm -hmm. coming out of it. Give us the opportunity, Michael. What, what, do you, what would you tell the audience? What is the opportunity for the recycled materials industry? You know, so, so I think uh, we started to talk about it this way at the, uh, at the convention. The idea that uh, recycled materials are what we're made of. And this idea of what 
of what blank is made of, right? What roads are made of, what planes are made of, what cars are made of, what health, healthcare equipment is made of. That if we want people to create one association in their mind, it's that when they go out the door in the morning, when they look around, they see the stuff that they, that they use, that they love, but they start to appreciate the fact that the stuff that's inside is not brand new. It wasn't mined you know, as uh, virgin material. It's a renewable raw material. It's been reused. And that there's an industry behind that that makes it happen. But that if you beat that drum, you go into uh, you know, uh, legislators' offices and you start telling that story, they're gonna be much more likely to wanna support you than if you're something that they can't really relate to. So I was uh, up on the Hill talking to a particular congressperson. I'll leave him you know, for the purpose of not disclosing because mm -hmm. people will think it's a political thing. So in the restroom in that office, it was, they had Kohler toilet and, and faucet and uh, plumbing. Well, Kohler in Wisconsin makes all their product from recycled metals. Mm -hmm. And when I told them that, it's like, now they changed. Now they know you, you can't have plumbing right. without what we do. Because, you know, uh, uh, brass is zinc and copper mixed, and it's melted in foundries here in the U.S., and Kohler's a U.S. brand. They can get that. They mm -hmm. can latch on to that. People can latch on to this. And this is what I try to encourage people, and obviously that's what you're trying to get the masses because you're kind of the outsider. I'm, I'm like, yep. you know, you're, you're the one who I think has influence because I'm the choir, you're not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I'll just say, like, one thing that is important that industries often uh, don't recognize is that communicating is hard. Doing it well is hard. Getting it to break through is expensive. Uh, and the question becomes then, you can change your language and that is not expensive. But to get that message out tends to be. It takes a lot of work. The question is, is it worth it? And I would go back to why we were brought in to begin with. The industry recognized that it was not being perceived the way that it wanted to be perceived. Right. And it wanted to change that. And so the question is, if you know that you can change perceptions because you're seeing it in one-on-one -on -one interactions, and when you tell the story the right way, you get a different reaction, why wouldn't you want to invest the money to tell that story so that more people understand it, appreciate it, and respond to it? I, I, that's incredible. I think it's very well said. So, so you know, you talked a little bit, there's an expense to it, but also with, with social media and your cell phone, it's not real hard to put something out there mm -hmm. and that doesn't cost you really anything, from Instagram to LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, you know, these social media platforms, there's so many people. And if we're going to get people outside our industry to know our story, to know what we do, mm -hmm. it's going to take more than a handful of people. I think everybody in our industry should be doing this every day. Thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, look, that is where the, that's where it starts. I mean, the, the best ambassadors for the industry are the people in the industry. And that is low cost. It's actually low effort. Uh, and it is a really important place to start. It makes everything else go further, uh, whatever it is that you decide to do. And if you don't do it, and you're not sending a consistent message across the industry, uh, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot. It's consistency. 
But you know, that, that can be exhausting. Mm -hmm. Being there yeah. every day can be exhausting. I've had several people tell me, how do you do it every day? It's the first thing I do. I sit down at my coffee shop mm -hmm. every morning I, and I make my post. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I've been out there talking about it and I, I'm encouraging people, okay, so maybe you can't do it every day, but you can do it five days a week. Look, maybe you can't do it five days a week, but you can do it once a week. Okay. Right? I mean, if you think about where, where a lot of the people are coming from, like you build habits one bite at a time, okay. right? And so, you know, do, make a habit that you can live up to, right? If you had everybody in the industry posting once a week, how big a multiplier would that be on what's being done now? It's game changer. So, you know, start there. Then people will see that they get the positive feedback and, and then maybe they do it every day. Well, you know, there's that old saying, you wish somebody would do something. Mm -hmm. Well, then I realized I was that somebody, mm -hmm. and that's why I started to do repurposed. Because in the end, I do want to change the narrative of our industry because there, I realized talking to some very important people in government and, and people throughout the community, they just have no idea what we do. They don't know mm -hmm. that our raw materials actually is how they live their life. Like, you know, there's this marina right below us, Michael. All the propellers, bronze. Well, where's that material coming from? It's from recycle. All the stainless steel railings, all the aluminum in, in the marine industry. So much recycled content in it. And it, it just, we can keep going. I mean, I'll tell you. So my team that worked on this, to a person, thinks that this is one of the most important things that they've worked on. And I think when, when we talk about it, we talk about the fact that this industry sits at the nexus of so many of the most important trends that are going on right now. And, and it isn't getting the credit for it. And it, you know, it warrants a lot more credit for what is being done as opposed to the criticism for what could be done and what isn't being done. And so you know, this is a message that needs to get out there. It's gotta be repeated. We tell people that you know, until you're ready to throw up from having said the same message, so many times that it makes you sick, you have not said it enough to break through. Well, I think there's something incredibly powerful what you said. Your staff that worked on this, they didn't know how the impact on their data. So, so just think about that. You're hired to help our industry change the way we talk about it. Mm -hmm. Your staff is going, wait, what? My daily life is dependent on, it, that's just, is as powerful as mm -hmm. anything out there that your staff who does all these language projects realizes that the recycled materials industry is probably on the forefront of the most sustainable, environmentally friendly industries there is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we can't be, you know, 96% of, of all the materials recycled in this country by weight is not coming from the blue bin. We need to celebrate that 96%, right. Right? right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need to, you know, we need to shift the focus from the blue bin. And that's another reason why changing the language is really important. Because recycling has been, recycling with the ING has been uh, uh, tied to the blue bin. And so even when you use that word, which is meant to suggest something really positive about what we're doing, it tends to bring people back to the blue bin. That's why, again, just shifting from recycling to recycled 
has that major impact on how we think. Yeah, I, I, well, I've been using it, and I, I think it's been a very effective in our messaging and the growth of our audience on our social media platforms and the response that I have received from policymakers and, and communities and educators. They want to use repurpose. Mm -hmm. I've had several people bring this to classrooms, be it even on the college level to the elementary school level, because people don't know how new steel is made. They don't know where copper, uh, the, the electrical wire comes for the, the electrical grid. They don't understand it. And I think it's very important. And we're seeing people want to put this in the schools as a curriculum, as a, you know, just for education, school mm -hmm. bus. Okay. Kids go to school. A lot of kids go to school in America on a school bus. Mm -hmm. What do you think the materials of that school bus, where it's coming from? Right. The recycled materials yeah. industry. So I think the education of what we do is vitally mm -hmm. important too. So, you know, it's a, it's a full court press as far as I'm concerned. Our message needs to get out there, and everybody needs to participate. It's the only way that it works. I mean, and it's hard, you know? I mean, it takes a lot of work from everybody. There are a lot of other industries out, out there who are trying to get their message across. There are a lot of other companies. You know, you gotta be, kinda, gotta be in it to win it. <laughs> but that's true. There's mm. truth to that, Michael, yeah. because in, in the end, look, the steel industry in America truly is dependent on our industry. Because when you have over 72% of all steel mills in America are electric arc furnaces, mm. they don't melt material to make new steel if we're not around. Right. So they need us, we need them. And you know what, but I'll even, I mean, and you go further with a lot of this, but like if you think about what it is that the industry can kind of associate itself with, it is the Mercedes of the world and the Adidas's of the world and these big brands that really create the products that we love. And they're celebrating the fact that they're using recycled materials more than the industry tends to celebrate the fact that it supplies those industries. And that's got to change. <laughs> you know, I, I, I shake my head because it's so well said. And I think this message, I think people are going to change their minds uh, and it's going to start jumping on board because you have articulated with me today so incredible and with this one-on-one, -on -one, but people, as they listen to this podcast, are going to get this one-on-one. -on -one. They're going to be in my seat listening to you. That Yes, they hear my questions, but they're going to be listening to you on the why this is important. And like you say, Mercedes is out there saying their car is made from all this re recycled material. We need to be saying, hey, Mercedes, that recycled material that you're using came from our industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Adidas, Absolutely. your shoes, you're using recycled plastics in your shoe. Well, where would that come from? came from the recycled materials industry. So that's incredible. I, I got a comment, and I want your feedback on this. I, I took some uh, videos of the crap in the water down here in the rivers, and I do this often on the Mississippi when I was in Davenport. I see a lot of plastic in the water, and people associate recycling with plastic and plastic not being recycled. Now, I, I believe it's a people problem that plastic gets in the water. People aren't doing their job. Mm -hmm. John Q. Public, stop putting your crap in the water. What would you say to that? It doesn't grow legs. Is, yeah. is it, a pro is it a, the problem of plastic that it's in the water, or is it the problem that people don't properly, properly dispose of it so it doesn't get in the water. How how are you answer? It's a kind of a you know it's it's a you know, fine so line I, there. I, I would say if I'm talking to you as a representative of the re recycled materials industry, I'd say it's not your fault, but it's your problem. Okay. Okay. Because the the history of industries trying to put responsibility where it may belong 
but on their constituents, on their stakeholders, tends to fail. Okay. Now, you can collaborate with the public, and you can look for ways to better engage them to say, you know, your neighbors are recycling, why aren't you? Or, you know, you, you care about your neighborhood, why are you letting it get, you know, um, littered with plastic? Or other mechanisms that could be used to encourage customers uh, and the public to, to recycle. But if you as an industry try and make it their fault, it will backfire. Fantastic. Instead of blaming, encourage the proper way. I love that. Well, I'm going to change my message because, uh, no, that, that's fantastic. I get it. I, I absolutely, it's just like the light bulb goes on mm. with me because I think, I, well, I never considered that. So let us encourage the people how to do it properly. You know, industry in America does not, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, their residuals from manufacturing all the metals and their in paper in the, the manufacturing of products, they, they know the value of it. Mm -hmm. Last question before we finish up here, before we bring this into a land, for a landing. If a pile of gold <laughs> is not considered waste, why would a pile of recycled iron be considered waste? Because gold tells the story about what it becomes, and iron in the past has not, but it's going to now, right? Because you can't visualize what that pile of iron is going to become. You can visualize what that, that piece of gold is going to become. And so, you know, it's on, it's on the industry to reshape the perception of that because they have, you know, they, they both have a lot of value. Uh, but if we, don't, if we don't help people see it, then we can't expect them to, uh, to value it. Fantastic. Michael, this has been an incredible podcast, probably one of my favorite ones because we get Just to Just one of the favorite? <laughs> well, I'm going to be dissing a lot of people <laughs> if I say you're the absolute favorite, right? But one of my favorites gets you right up there, uh, right? Okay, can we, can we uh, agree on that? That's great. I'll take it. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Michael, Thank you thank for you. coming with me great. on this journey to tell the story. And um, hopefully we can change the way people see what we're doing. People will get on board and, and change the way they talk about our industry. And we'll make positive change for the future. And uh, I appreciate all your help, all your commentary. It's, it's just been fantastic. Well, thank you. It's great, great to be a part of it. And that's it for another, well, what I'm going to call an amazing <laughs> episode of Pile of Scrap. This has been a Sierra International Machinery original audio series. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast and make sure to subscribe.